Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Broken Banquet, a podcast about missions. We are your hosts, Will Bailey and Dr. Ashley Goad, and we are so glad that you have joined us for another conversation about the church and missions, about what healthy mission relationships can look like, and as we hear from others who have dedicated their lives in one way or another to mission work. We're so glad you're here, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Hey. Hey, how's it going, Will? Good, how are you? Oh, I'm so good, so good. I woke up this morning remembering our time in the Holy Land. Yeah. I think I've been dreaming about it lately, and this morning I woke up, and I woke up to a message from our guide, and he was on top of Mount Carmel, and he said that he had just been praying and had thought of us and wanted to send a message to tell us that he missed us. That's awesome. You know, for the first several days that we were back, I would the last dream I would have before I woke up, we were still touring somewhere. And then, and so I was just really confused. And I sent a message to our, our group chat for the group. And I was like, is this happening to anybody else? And like half the group was like, oh my gosh, yes. Every night I'm back in the Holy Land, you know, still seeing these places and so disappointed when I wake up and I'm actually at home. So yeah, it's crazy how, I think it's just such an intense experience that it's sort of, it takes a while to kind of get it out of your system. And for me, for whatever reason, it's not that I wasn't excited about going, but I think I had not been the leader on the first trip. I had led with you on the second trip. So there was that little bit of anxiety that I was going by myself as the leader, maybe for you as well. And and just knowing I had all of this responsibility and weight on my shoulders, not that I've never led a group of 36 people before, but but it was just going to be a little different. And once we got there, everything just fell into place. And it, I'm going to say it, it was the best trip ever. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely experienced that too. Same thing. My first trip, I was just part of the group. Second trip, led it with you. This trip, you know, I had two other co-leaders and the closer we got, the more worried I started to get about like, have I oversold this? Have I, have I talked so much about how amazing this is that if it's not, people are going to be like, Will, like what a bait and switch. What have you done to us? And thank goodness that was not the case. Um, <laughs> everybody had an amazing experience and it was just, it was so satisfying, like in a good way to yeah. see that they were experiencing everything that I've been hoping for the last three years that they would experience. So. One of the things I love too is that we got to run into each other a lot. And I will not forget being in Galilee, knowing that you were about 20 minutes away. I (laughs) gathered up John Woodward, Nate Hutchison, Stefania, I think Drago should already gone to bed, Jessica Weaver, and we waited in the lobby for you and Yolanda to come walking in. Olga and Eager, they were there too. So it it was like a broken banquet reunion, but we were so excited to see people we loved. And that was so confusing to the people on my bus. <laughs> when we, we get off the bus and all these people are running out of the hotel and hugging us, you know, on the sidewalk. They're just like, what is going on here? Well, um, and one of the best things that happened the next day, we were heading out to the Sea of Galilee to a boat ride. And somebody came off of your bus and said, Ashley Goad, I think I know you. And I was like, well, 
is it you're from North Carolina? I mean, I'm, I grew up in High Point. She was like, no, that's not it. And I was like, well, I mean, we live in Shreveport now. Have you ever been to Louisiana? No, that's not it. And I said, well, I do have a podcast with Will Bailey. She says, that's it. That's it. Yeah, we're podcast famous. What was the coolest thing you experienced? There were several things. Of course, Yolanda went with me this time. So it was her first time in the Holy Land. And we took a pastor from Costa Rica with us, uh, who I hope in a few years to lead a trip with all Costa Ricans. And so I wanted to bring him along just so he could sort of see how, how it is. So getting to kind of experience it through their eyes, just watch all of the range of emotions while we were there and, and kind of anticipating because I know them both so well, I sort of knew in my mind, like these are the spots where it's kind of, it's going to happen. And so that was really fun. It was, I mean, what a special thing for Yolanda and I to get to do together. It was really fun to see Yolanda get to know our guide, who is a friend of, of ours, of, mm -hmm. of both of ours. And, and also the driver that we had was just this, he was a young guy with just such a sweet spirit and they kind of clicked. And so helping the two of them kind of get to know one another and share information with one another. And, you know, he wound up, he, he gave us a couple of stuffed animals to bring home to Isabella when we came back. So she has a little sheep and camel now that sleep on her bed with her that Khaled, our bus driver, sent to her. He always, I don't know if your bus driver had a candy basket, but our bus mm -hmm. driver had a candy basket. Mm -hmm. And so every time we would get on off the bus, we're grabbing handfuls of candy. And he had these amazing like chocolate covered caramels oh. and, and saw that Yolanda and I were kind of hoarding those for ourselves. So he got us a whole bag of, of those chocolates for us to bring home with us. So, you know, we're like rationing them out because we need them to last until our next trip to the Holy Land. But like that kind of stuff was, was really cool from a sort of a spiritual level, we spent a night in Bethlehem and the next morning, Yolanda and Sarah, one of the other team leaders and myself got up at like five in the morning and walked across to the church of the nativity. And the Greek Orthodox were just starting their whatever their early morning prayer service is called. And, and so we couldn't go all the way up to the front where they actually have the surface, the service, but we stayed just inside the door, kind of in a corner in the dark where we wouldn't disturb anybody and just stood there. It was cold. And at times it was really quiet. And then all of a sudden the voices of these Greek Orthodox brothers and sisters would start floating through that building and, you know, their songs and their chants and their prayers. And I mean, it was, it was almost kind of otherworldly and uh, yeah, I'll never forget that, that moment. Sarah actually took a picture of me from the back standing there and, and it's my, it's my screensaver on my phone. Now I'm going to hold it up so you can see it. That's, oh, nice. Oh yeah. I saw that photo. Yeah. And, and so now every time I pick up my phone, I'm reminded of that, that moment. I can't wait to go back and get up at five o'clock again and go stand in that church again when there's nobody there except them doing their mm -hmm. thing first thing in the morning. Yeah. How about I'm you? definitely making that part of my next trip to you. So, yeah. you know, the thing I was looking forward to most, I think, was 
at the end of the trip in Greece at Philippi. For whatever reason, that was that was what I was really keyed in on. I could not wait to be in Philippi where Lydia, the first convert, a Christian convert uh, in Europe, was baptized at the river. And, and I'll talk about that later. But the garden tomb experience for me this time was incredible. Really? It was just absolutely incredible. And not that the others haven't been, but that is what sticks out mostly in my mind. And I was a little uh, put out because they didn't give us an inside room and they literally put us in an outside area by the bus station. So That's it was- I was already just like, oh, this isn't going to be meaningful. We're going to just be listening to buses and construction. Like, how is the spirit going to talk to any of us? And really, Ashley, really, really. So we we got in and everybody sat down and I said, let's just let's just take a breath. Let's just take a minute and and have a have a centering prayer where we where we connect to God and and I had prepared a, a message to give. And I was really excited the night before when I went over the message, really excited about giving it. And just because I thought God had really spoken well and had given me some really good words to say. And I was really, really excited about giving it. And so I think when that happens, that naturally... Um, you're just excited as you give it, and it's more meaningful that way. And somebody actually recorded me giving that, and the recording is just so loud and and boisterous, and you hear the crane in the background, and you hear the bus station. But in the moment, I heard none of that. Hmm. And it was this beautiful, solemn time to connect with God, to connect with this group that we had, pil- we were on a pilgrimage, a journey together after so many days, uh, had come and learned so much as a group. And then Stefania and I served communion. And it was a beautiful moment of connecting with God and feeling seen by God and looking out into my group and seeing them and it really brought everything to life. That's awesome. You know, I'm, the first time I went, I sort of was leaning towards Team Garden Tomb uh, after uh-huh. that trip, and not so much anymore. I mean, I still I, I'm going to side with 2,000 years of tradition on this one, and and I, I think I'm Team Church of the Resurrection. But I definitely each time see more and more the value of having that time at the end of this trip in that particular place, whether it's the place or it's not the place, it is a great place Mm -hmm. to sit and to reflect and to have communion together. And one of the people in our group said something that I think you'll, you'll appreciate. Of course, everybody picked up on the same thing. We're right next to a bus station. There's tons of noise. I don't know what they're building there, but there's, you know, jackhammers going on and all that kinds of stuff and horns honking. One of the bus drivers was upset because I think he couldn't get out of the bus lot. So he was just laying on the horn for like minutes at a time. And after we were done, this fellow walked up to me and he said, he said, I'm so glad it was noisy like that. And I thought, what in the world, really? And he was like, well, if this was the place, I'm pretty sure that when Jesus was hanging on the cross, life just went on for most people. Oh, and wow. 
a whole lot of people didn't pay any attention to what was happening. And they were just doing their construction work or running their errands and walking right by and paying no mind. And I just thought, wow, yeah, thanks wow. for that. Thanks so, for that. Oh, that brought <laughs> tears to my eyes. <laughs> we were so blessed by some of the people that were in our group and, and have been every time. I mean, that's part of the, the, the beautiful thing about going on a pilgrimage with a group of people is that interaction and back and forth and, and people see things that I don't see and feel things that I don't feel, but by sharing with them, we all benefit from that. And there was just some wonderful insights from people who were seeing this for the first time that I had completely missed because I was seeing other things. And so I really appreciated that. I think one of the other moments and I, you and I connected on this too, was uh, at the Mount of Beatitudes, we had a time where we told everybody just to go away, find a quiet spot and read the Sermon on the Mount. And in previous years, we had, you know, read maybe the Beatitudes sitting up there or yeah, as a group or, or had a little devotion. And our guide did speak for, for a few minutes while we were there. But then everybody went their separate ways and read Matthew 5 through 7. Mm -hmm. And at the end of it, we prayed the Lord's Prayer aloud and then departed from that place. And that was that was a meaningful moment for us, too, to be sitting there reading the actual words of Jesus where he would have given them. Yeah. And that's such a busy day, like that day in Galilee. I think mm -hmm. we visited five different things. And so just to have a little bit of time to just be quiet and be quiet there. I love the fact that we're there. You know, we were there in February, which is February and March, I think are the only two months of the year that there's green grass in Galilee. And so, you know, in the story of the fish and the loaves, when Jesus says, have them go sit down in the green grass, that's the only time of year that it you can look around and what you see is what it looked like, yeah. which is cool. We're considering our next trip is probably going to be in the fall. I think the weather's going to be nice. I think Crowds, I think, will be comparable. But uh, the only thing that I feel just a little tinge of disappointment is that Galilee is going to be dry. It's mm -hmm. not going to look like it looked in so many of those stories. You guys saw some things on this trip that you hadn't seen on the first mm -hmm. two. Our itinerary didn't really vary a whole lot from my previous trips, but you added some stuff. What did you guys do that was new for you? We had a whole day, a whole complete day that was new for me. Um, and we left Galilee that morning and we drove up to a place called Tel Dan, which the archaeologists there have uncovered the gate that Abraham would have walked through as he went to go save Lot and his family when they had gotten word that their village was going to be attacked. That was a marvel in itself. I mean, that's 3,000 years before Christ kind of thing. <laughs> it's unbelievable so that, to be able to stand there where Abraham would have uh, walked through. And then from there, we went to Caesarea Philippi, where Jesus would have gone with his disciples, and he would have asked them, who do you say that I am? And so to be able to talk about that uh, as we sat at the open cave of Caesarea Philippi, knowing that that's where the god uh, Pan, I think, was, was worshipped with all of that sexual perversion and Jesus saying, I am bigger than that. 
I go deeper, I go wider than whatever evil that is. And for him to ask, who do you say that I am? And so for us then to ask each other, who do you say Jesus is? And that was a, that was a powerful moment. And then we went to the Golan Heights and drove all the way up Mount Hermon had snow on it, which was a very exciting thing for the guide to show us because that's not often apparently that that groups get to see the snow with Mount Hermon. Yeah, everybody we bumped, like talked to, drivers, guides, people in restaurants, everybody was like, oh, oh, have you seen Mount Hermon? Have you seen Mount Hermon? Like, yeah. you know, the mountain with snow on it. And they're like, no, but yeah, but look how clear it is. You can see it. There's people skiing up there right now. You know, we were at, at Cesarea Maritima our first day, and it was like balmy Mediterranean weather. And then the next day, apparently there were people skiing on that mountain. That's what I hear. We didn't see them either, but uh, we were right by it. And we went all the way up to the border with Syria. And as we know, the Syria-Turkey earthquake had just happened and tens of thousands of people had perished. And uh, they had just had another earthquake in Turkey like the day before that had also killed people. And so we really felt convicted to pray over the land that we were looking into. Uh, So we had a very nice, beautiful guided prayer service uh, there at the border of Syria with Israel. And that was a very meaningful experience for us. Uh, Nate Hutchison, episode two, Nate Hutchison, he was the one that led that for us. And it was, it was just beautiful. And how cool is that, that with all the planning that goes into this and all of the, you know, as much time as we spend thinking about itineraries and, you know, oh, this is a great spot to have a devotion and this is a great spot to let people just have quiet time. And this is, you know, and and I know you and I both put a lot of effort into that and and want to make sure that, you know, we've taken as much into consideration as, as we can before we go. But then for something spontaneous like that to happen and to be really moving, it's like, thank goodness that there's other stuff going on beyond what we think should be going on. Absolutely. God is alive and active during these trips. That is for sure. For sure. So that was just a beautiful day for us being able to just see new things. It was it was incredible. It was a day that I kept saying, wow, I haven't been here before. People kept asking questions. They were like, wow, you haven't been here before. I, I think the one thing that, that came out of that too was Mount Hermon has three springs that flow from Mount Hermon. It's the Dan, the Banias, and the... Hasmoa, I think. And those three rivers, three streams flow into one. How biblical is that? And it comes into the Sea of Galilee where Jesus, you know, spent a lot of his time. And then from the Sea of Galilee, it flows into the Jordan River where Jesus was baptized. And then from the Jordan River, it flows into the Dead Sea, which is greedy, you know, and takes out all the minerals, all the, uh, kills everything and takes everything for itself. So how biblical that was for us to see it from the mountain to the three springs to the one river that flows in the Sea of Galilee that then exits with the Jordan River that then goes into the Dead Sea. It was the salvation story through geography. Wow. Very cool. Well, so you just mentioned two things that reminded me of something that was pretty special about our trip too. So we had three pastors in our group Mm -hmm. and a number of people who wanted to remember their baptisms and one who had never been baptized. And so uh, we did that in the Jordan River and about half the team participated. But I was the photographer 
and going back through the pictures from that day. And I intentionally put my camera setting on like the burst, like the sports setting. So it takes, mm-hmm. you know, 10 pictures in a half a second and, and the expressions on the faces of the people coming up out of that water. I mean, it was just, I was so excited to get to save that moment and then to give it to them for them to remember, not only remember being baptized in the Jordan, but in a visual way, remember exactly what they were feeling when they came up out of that water. And and so I was glad that we took the time to do that. I think it really meant a lot to the ones who were baptized and to the whole group just for being a part of that experience for them. So yeah, another one of those things that, I mean, I knew we were going to do it. I didn't have super high expectations for it. You know, the the place where they do that there is kind of it's sort of Disney-ish. Mm-hmm. And so you wonder if that's going to sort of take people out of the moment. There's a lot of other people around. You've got different groups kind of jostling for space and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm always wondering, you know, is this going to, is this going to work? And it did, which was great. Yeah. 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 We got there super early and we went to a different spot that I had never been to on the Jordan and we got there very early and we were the only people there. Oh, wow. By the time we finished our service and John Woodward, episode three, John Woodward did our Remember Your Baptism service, which was beautiful. And by the time we ended the service, it was packed. So um, but when we got there to start off and got to go down to the river on our own, and it was it was beautiful. Well, getting back to your, your added day, um, mm-hmm. because of your response and reaction to having seen those things, it is already on the itinerary that I've submitted to EO for our trip in 2024. So we're adding a day to the trip so that we can go to Cesarea Philippi, Tell Dan, and the Golan Heights. So thank you. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Guinea guinea pig. Thank you. It was great. We also went to a place called Bet Shan, which I had never Mm -hmm. been before. It was an archaeological site. It was really nice to walk through that. It reminded me a lot of walking through the Caesarea Maritima uh, mm-hmm. site. Did y'all go there too? We did because we couldn't go to Nablus. I know you guys got to go. Mm-hmm. And just because of the conditions on the ground that day, our guide decided that it just wasn't a good idea. He wasn't concerned for our safety, but he was concerned that we might get delayed just because of things going on and it would throw the whole rest of our itinerary off. And so he just felt like we shouldn't. So we didn't. And turns out he was right. I mean, there were, there were things that did wind up happening over the next like 48 hours that would have made it complicated for us to get in and out. So we did Bet Shan instead. And yeah, archaeologically, it's fascinating. It's a huge city that, that's been excavated. So yeah, that was the only thing that we did this year that I hadn't done before. We, we did go to Jacob's Well. And it was uh, dicey. Well, I'm glad you were able to. I hope that it's it's on my itinerary for the next time in parentheses. Mm-hmm. And I'll just keep my fingers oh. crossed. Oh, oh, oh. So we got back here to Shreveport. And there is a family from Nablus that have a restaurant in Bossier City. So when you, get, when you come next time, we're going. Definitely. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, this being the third trip for you, Will, what was different? You know, the first time I went, I was totally unprepared. I didn't do any homework before I went. And so it was just so overwhelming. It was really, it was tough. And it was great. 
Um, and it made me want to go back, but it was just, oh my gosh, it was just like being in the eye of a hurricane emotionally and spiritually. For the second trip, I did my homework. And so it was really helpful to be able to sort of see through a lot of the, the noise and the static and just really focus on why we were there, which made trip number two really special. And because it was, you know, it was with your church and with so many of the global mission partners. So that was a, a much different trip from the first one where I had been invited by a church that works with us in Costa Rica, but I didn't really know anybody in that group except for the, the pastor that went. But on this one, yeah, I mean, you use the word familiarity. And I think the, every time we go, we get a little bit more comfortable with the place. So doing things like just walking around, you know, once we've been told by the guides that, that this is a safe place to, to wander, feeling the confidence to do that, to go and to wander and to get to see a little bit of those places, not necessarily the stops on the itinerary. Hmm. So, you know, one day there was somebody in our group that realized they were going to need an extra suitcase. So we just walked from our hotel down to the old city and shopped for a suitcase in the Muslim quarter. Also, in the meantime, for the last couple of years, I've been trying to learn Arabic. And I'm still, I mean, I just speak very little bad Arabic. But being able to at least talk to a shopkeeper or talk to people in restaurants or talk to our bus driver who didn't speak you know, hardly any English, those kinds of things, it just adds so much because you start to get glimpses into real life for people. And I think it's important, you know, it's important when you come to Costa Rica to not just go to a resort on the beach and see that because that's not real. So we would make sure that, you know, obviously you guys are exposed to real people and real life and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I just, I can't not think about the people who live there while we're there. And so feeling the confidence because of that little bit of familiarity that you gain each time to, to see more of that and to pay attention to more of that and uh, to ask questions about more of that. It just adds, it adds to the whole experience. You're right. I felt like this time too, we had, we had this unbelievable guide and have I said that before that we had this unbelievable guide? Bottom? Might have. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he took on so much of the great spiritual teaching and putting together the dots, connecting the archaeology with the scripture, with the culture, and doing so much of that framework that I did feel like I got to sit back a little bit and listen and take more in this time. I did have my prepared things that I was going to say here and there because I was very excited about saying those things because of the research I had been doing. But wow, it was it was incredible to be able to sit back and to do a lot of learning again this time and to have my mind just several times went, whoa, mind blown. So I was really happy to hear from you how excited you were about the guide that you all had. You know, we had a little confusion there. Okay. About two weeks before our trip, uh, the guide that I had been asking for for the last two and a half years suddenly was assigned to your group. And it turns out it's because our itineraries were so similar. And because we led a trip together in 2020, uh, apparently some there was some confusion about whether or not these were actually separate trips. Regardless, we got it sorted out. And so we got Natter with an N. You got Batter with a B. And I think we both were, were super happy. You know, Natter is a friend of mine who has been my guide every time I've been now. And so we, you know, we stay in touch throughout the year. And that was another really, really fun thing about this experience was the deeper our friendship has gotten, 
now to be able to go and, and get to have a friend as our guide and to share his life and his experiences with our group. And I think it meant a lot to the group to see sort of our interaction with one another and for them to see how much, you know, we care about one another. They really, I mean, they just fell in love with him. And so all of that was, was great. So I think we both wound up getting exactly what we wanted and needed as far as that goes. Would you well, agree? And, sp- and speaking of friendship, I think walking into Razook's tattoo in Old City, <laughs> Jerusalem, it was like coming back home and seeing the motorcycle gang, the Holy Rollers, Holy Riders, excuse me, and uh, seeing Anton and getting my second tattoo by Chris. And it was just like uh, returning home. Yeah. And I do, I mean, I have to say, that's one of those things where you kind of feel special until you realize that everybody else who's in there also is feeling the exact same thing. Um, you know, I heard several people, no, I did. I heard several people who came in and out while we were there saying, all right, see you next year. I think, no, I'm the <laughs> only one that comes every year, but of course not. Uh, but yeah, those guys are great. And, and what a neat thing they do. And, you know, to watch the range of emotions that are of the people coming in and out of there, some of them are scared to death. Some of them are gung ho. Some of them you can tell it's, it's a pretty, moving experience for them to get sort of this it's like a stamp in your passport except you know it's not it's deeper than that so well one of my favorite moments was the next day after getting the tattoo uh because six of us went together and got tattoos we were coming by uh on our way to the via Dolorosa, and coming through the same little nooks and crevices of of old city and of course come by uh, razooks and all of the holy riders are pulling up to the shop and anton pulls off his helmet shakes his hair just like you know a commercial on yeah in slow motion takes off his helmet and says oh hey ashley (laughs) and and john woodward looks at me and says really seriously (laughs) yeah you got to be on a first name basis with your tattooer. I mean, exactly. Come on. Exactly. Yeah, very cool. You know, one of the other places we visited that I forgot uh, to tell you was in Getty. And I had been so excited about going there for the first time because I had seen it in a Ray Vanderlaan video. And he's one of my favorite theologians to learn from. And uh, so I wanted to do the hike in Engedi and see the waterfall and oasis area in the middle of the desert where David had hidden from Saul. And uh, I didn't know much about it. I just, I didn't know much about what it was going to be like, but we had spent so much time at Masada that morning and the traffic had been so bad coming from Bethlehem that by the time we ended at Masada, our guide looked at me and said, Ashley, we've got to cut something like I don't think we can make it to Engedi and lunch and Qumran and the Dead Sea. I was like, oh, no, no, we are not cutting Engedi. This is the only thing that I was looking for. <laughs> the only thing this day I was really looking forward to. And he said, okay, okay. Well, we had a, a, a older group and uh, it took us a little bit of time. But when we rounded the corner of the stream and walked through the water and then came up over the hill and saw the big waterfall where David would have taken his rest. It was this beautiful moment of God's creation and God's refuge and God's strength all coming over that cliff into the oasis. Just beautiful. Wow. Yeah. So that's on my itinerary for 2024 also, now that you've been and given it a thumbs up. So Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah, thanks for that. Thanks okay. For that. 
Well, Ashley, it sounds like you had a wonderful trip. I know we had a wonderful trip. I know you and I are both already starting to make plans for the next one. And I think we're, we're so fortunate to have, have been able to go on multiple occasions now and that people seem to want to go with us. So thanks be to God for that. Amen. I, I came back talking about how pilgrimages deepen our faith, put us out of our comfort zone, and really give us a glimpse into the kingdom of God and mm. how we as a church, as a part of our discipleship plan, need to continue moving forward with, with pilgrimages. So mm-hmm. on the spot on Tuesday during our meetings, I said, you know what? We're going to have this Holy Land trip every other year. And on the every other years, we're going to offer a pilgrimage somewhere else, whether Mm. that's a Wesleyan heritage tour uh, to England, whether it's to Iona up in Scotland, to to Greece and to Turkey, because it was just too much to do Israel and then go to Greece for several days. Mm -hmm. Uh, But to have a specific Journeys of Paul, Greece and Turkey trip, maybe an Egypt trip. So something of of Israel is so vital and important to us as believers and how that does need to be a repeated every other year trip, Mm -hmm. but then on the other years to offer a different type of pilgrimage so that we can continue having our eyes open to the scriptures and to the lands and the geography and the archaeology and the culture of which Jesus and his contemporaries lived. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think maybe the big takeaway for me And I think this started to sort of sink in that morning in Bethlehem because obviously the the tradition that I grew up in from a child and then the churches that I worshiped in when I was in college and then the situation that I'm in now in Costa Rica, all of those are really, really different from the Orthodox tradition, for example. And I started thinking more and more about how important it is to be exposed. I mean, think about all the different people you saw while you were there who are so spiritually and emotionally invested in this pilgrimage also, whose traditions are so different from our own, but we share this thing, this really important thing that we all have in common. And it made me really appreciate the, the global, the universal body of Christ. It made me really sad to think about how often we fall into this trap of sort of this really narrow myopic view of church. Hmm. And, you know, we've talked on this podcast before about the distinctive ways that God has revealed himself to us in distinct places and distinct cultures. And from here, sort of, if the podcast is the starting point, we're sort of reaching out towards all of those different places to see what can we learn from them. But on this pilgrimage, all of those distinctive things are being brought to the same place and and we get to just stand in the middle of it and and see it witness it and feel it and learn from it uh, i just got goosebumps like can yeah. you see that i just yeah. got goosebumps i love it like, it's just it's what a blessing to get to do that mm-hmm. and to know that that's been happening for 1700 years that people have been making that journey from all of these different places but to this same place. And Mm -hmm. and one of the things that Natter kept saying over and over again is we all just need to sit down at the same table and eat hummus together. That's Mm. the goal. And um, I'm in, I'm in. Yeah. Maybe that's what will fix what is broken about the banquet is more hummus. More hummus. Okay. Yeah. 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 We've solved it. 
Yeah, I guess so. All right. So this was the last episode of The Broken Banquet. <laughs> Join us next week for The Banquet. Um, no, Ashley, it's been great to, to hear a little bit more from you about your trip and to get to talk to you and, and share with everybody else about ours. I'm afraid I'm going to have to run because um, I'm having lunch with Isabella today and it's almost lunchtime. And if I don't pick her up from school on time for lunch, she's going to be very upset with me. So Wonderful. Uh, I'll, I'll see you Monday. That's no, right. Sunday. You're, I'll see you Sunday. Yeah, because you're coming to Costa Rica soon, which is fantastic. Can't wait. All right. Well, it was great spending a little bit of time with you this morning, Ashley. Can't wait to see you here in a couple of days. And everybody, we'll see you on the next episode of The Broken Banquet. Bye, listeners. Thanks for listening. Bye, Ashley. Bye, Will. You've been listening to The Broken Banquet a podcast by Will Bailey and Ashley Goad. Music provided by Irene and the Sleepers. Join us next week for another episode. He's prepared the table. All things are ready. Come to the feast.